Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, October 10th. Taking a look at what's happening today, as part of World Mental Health Day, Kent Online has been hearing how the emotional impact of the pandemic is still taking its toll on children's mental health. A study has found nearly half of us struggle to speak confidently about emotions. A local psychologist says post-COVID, she's seen increased levels of worry and difficulty with social skills in children. Dr Elizabeth Kilby is using the Mr men and little miss books to help youngsters express their emotions. It's been an absolute joy, a, a sort of lifelong achievement really for me to be able to partner with Mr Men and Little Miss because this is a book series that I am passionate about. I remember it from my childhood and I use it in my everyday work. And I've been able to work with them to develop the Discover You series, which is a series of books that helps parents read and talk with their children around the complicated subject of emotions. It tells different stories about characters experiencing ordinary everyday emotions that we all recognise, such as feeling angry or feeling sad or being worried about something. Why do you think those those books work so well? Why do you think those characters in particular are really good at getting across those messages? I think for me, the key of the Mr Men and Little Miss is that they take really complicated human characteristics, psychological qualities, and they kind of embody them in a way that's much simpler and easier for children to understand. The truth is we all experience the Mr Men characteristics in a day in any given moment, but by kind of making them one character, one psychological concept, it it allows children to really understand it clearly. And that's the sort of beauty of it. It it makes it uncomplicated. And, And for me, the characters aren't they they own their characteristic without that being a negative quality. You know, Mr. Greedy isn't um, you know, judged or or receiving negative feedback from the fact that he's greedy. The other Happy Land characters know that that's kind of how he is. And so for me, the beauty of it is it allows us to talk about these things in a really kind of calm and sort of unemotional way. And that's the platform that you can then use to build on to talk about some of the complicated feelings that children have. And us as, as grown-ups, as parents, do we often struggle with those sorts of conversations normally? Yeah, I mean, the research that we did showed us that nearly half of adults tell us that it's difficult to have conversations with children about emotional content. And I think we can all relate to that. We certainly didn't grow up in an era where emotions were talked about freely. And even now, we're not terribly good at checking in with other people, kind of how are you? The standard response might be, oh, yes, I'm fine. So even now, it's difficult for us to be able to have those conversations with each other. So it kind of makes sense that it's also very difficult to have that with children. How has the pandemic affected things? Because we we know it has had a huge impact on everyone and their mental health, but but perhaps young people in particular, they spent an awful lot of time away from, from friends and other members of their family. Have you seen that over the past couple of years, it has had more of an impact on them? Yeah, I mean, I, I really wish I could say that it that it hadn't and that I hadn't seen a sort of change in the emotional well-being of young people. But I think the reality is that everyone who works in this field would say the same. And I and it, I think absolutely it's linked to the pandemic. But I just think even in sort of trying to recover from the pandemic and thinking about the sort of the state of kind of, you know, children's lives at the moment, it, it is really difficult times. And we see that in children. We see increased levels of worry, Um, increased difficulties with kind of social skills and building connections to peers 
And also I often see a lot of it in children struggling to get to school now. We have a higher rate of children who don't attend school at the you know, recommended 100% attendance. With the focus squarely on mental health today, Kent Online's been hearing how more than 90% of victims experience significant psychological impacts as a result of stalking. A new study from the University of Kent and the Susie Lamplew Trust also found that if a person is stalked in a number of different ways, the impact on their mental health will be more severe. Talula Balassi-Page is from the Susie Lamplew Trust. We define stalking as a pattern of repeated, unwanted and fixated behaviour that causes alarm and distress in the victim. Sometimes what we we tell people to look out for is the the four acronyms. That's fixated, obsessive, unwanted and repeated. And if it feels like that is the behaviour, that's the pattern of behaviour, then you're probably experiencing stalking. And that can include, you know, turning up to your house, sending you unwanted gifts or even just sending repeated text messages, which is, is very common these days. These are all things that are legal. You know, it's not illegal to send somebody text messages or, um, you know, flowers or things like that. But I suppose the distinction would be is it's repeated and unwanted. Yeah, that's that's right. And in terms of the law, it's two or more incidents that are fixated and obsessive and cause alarm and distress in the victim. But, yeah, you're right. They're not in, in and of themselves illegal to send flowers, but it is really that motivation that we're looking for. And so if somebody is a a victim of stalking behaviour, what sort of impact is this going to have on their mental health? Oh, it's a massive impact. I mean, obviously, we've had the results of the research that the University of Kent have done um, recently, which is 91.5% of victims have had a psychological impact. But in reality, I'm sure every victim of stalking has had a massive psychological impact. And we definitely see that with the victims of stalking that we support with the National Stalking Helpline. And that can be ranging from anxieties on a a daily basis to um, research showed that eight in 10 people had experienced symptoms consistent with PTSD. And that was research done by, um, I think, Sussex in, in collaboration with the University of Birmingham. So that was a pilot study, but it just shows how extreme these impacts are on everyday life and that it's not really being recognized by the victim themselves sometimes and it's really important for them to reach out and get support from a helpline to really make sure that they understand that they need to seek help. One thing I found quite interesting from the press release that was sent through was the idea that if a person was finding themselves the victim of different types of stalking behaviour, so say maybe online stalking, uh, in person, then that impact would be more severe. Are you able to tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really interesting and certainly something we see with the victims we support. I think it's that all-encompassing feeling of being monitored and that can impact your life in a huge way. It means that you don't feel safe wherever you go and you limit your behavior and if there are multiple ways of stalking someone it means that your life is going to shrink and I think that is one of the massive impacts of of stalking. Dr Jennifer Storey from the University of Kent says while it's important to have proper support for victims it's also important to ensure the perpetrators are sentenced appropriately. In the paper we talked about the need to identify what the different impacts are so that we can quantify them and measure them. And the reason that that's important in the UK 
is that the, the um, legislation is either requires victim fear or requires impact. So if the police can properly evidence victim impact, they can go for higher charges in the UK. So that means uh, longer sentences, more restrictions on the perpetrator. So victim impact can actually even more widely protect victims by getting these um, more extensive charges towards the perpetrators. With all the evidence pointing to the need for more mental health support, new statistics from the British Psychological Society is warning mental health support for NHS and social care staff has become a postcode lottery. Funding cuts mean 17 centres across England have closed or are closing, including Talking Wellness in Kent and Medway. Its feed staff won't be able to access the help they need. Research has also found under 25s are most likely to be struggling with loan Nearly 15,000 people here in the southeast have contacted support service Shout, saying they feel isolated. 55% of them were under the age of 25 and some were younger than 13. In some positive news, though, 11 groups and charities in Kent have been given funding to help people with their mental health. Organisations that offer support to parents, children's, veterans and young adults are getting between £500 and £15,000. Kent Online News. Also making news today, a TV DIY expert has had to be put on life support after a fire broke out at his flat in Gravesend. Ben Bryant is a specialist floor layer who worked on the TV program 60 Minute Makeover. He's had to be rescued from the maltings in Clifton Road after putting a chip pan on and falling asleep. The 35-year-old was on life support for three and a half days as doctors tried to clear his lungs of soot after breathing in smoke. A court's been told how a man was left with a broken jaw when violence erupted during a night out in Deal. A friend turned on his mate after wrongfully accusing him of chatting up his partner in June 2021. 23-year-old Cameron Finley from Rectory Road in the town admitted GBH and has been ordered to do 180 hours of unpaid work and pay £3,000 in compensation. Kent Online News. An emergency has been declared at a prison on Sheppey because of overcrowding. HMP Elmley is thought to have reached maximum capacity. The government's launched Operation Safeguard, which will allow them to use police cells to hold inmates. Police have given us CCTV images of a man they want to speak to after an attack outside a pub in Gravesend. A man was treated in hospital for head injuries after trying to intervene to stop a fight on Old Road West in August. We've shared the pictures at Kent Online. A fire has broken out at a house in Gillingham after cooking was left unattended. Emergency crews were called to McCunnan Row in Brompton yesterday evening. Luckily, no one was hurt. Two more road schemes in Kent could benefit from money saved by scrapping the northern leg of HS2. The government's already announced Brenley Corner near Faversham will be upgraded. Improvements at Bluebell Hill on the A229 are expected to be brought forward along with the North Thanet Link project around the A28. Now, a charity that was set up to help rough sleepers in Maidstone say they're supporting a growing number of people who aren't homeless. The winter shelter will be open between January and April to provide a safe, warm place for those who are vulnerable. But as the cost of living crisis continues, they've also been giving out hot meals to those who can't afford it. Claire Keeley is the project manager of Maidstone Winter Shelter. Up until COVID hit, we had a dormitory style system overnight in the church halls. So we had uh, camp beds, sleeping bags, which we used to go and get those laundered at the, the friars. And some volunteers would stay all night so there was somebody there, we'd make a cup of tea, bake the sandwich in the morning and set people off um, to head towards the day centre. So with COVID, we couldn't do that. 
Um, we closed a little bit early the year that COVID struck. And then the following year, we just provided hot food to those that needed it. Since then, we've used um, local bed and breakfast hotels. This year, obviously, the cost of living is rising. We have gone back to dormitory style. So instead of doing the big 15, we've gone back to doing just 10, just to obviously to keep it still safe because COVID's risen again. So these are for people that, for whatever reason, the council can't help so that they're off the streets between January and April. And how important is it for people at a really vulnerable time of their life to have that kind of support, you know, not just somewhere to sleep, but a hot meal and maybe a bit of company? Oh, it's it's made a difference to so many people. For people to come in and to not be judged and to be able to say, this has happened, this is terrible. And people in that state, quite often they don't know where to go. They may be, it may be through a relationship breakdown. That's probably the biggest reasons that people become homeless at the moment in Maidstone. Um, obviously there's addiction, mental health. And for people to be able to come in and say, this has happened, I actually, I just need a cup of tea, I need to be able to function. And people are listening without judging them and then saying, OK, well, if you go here, so we'll, say to, we'll always say to them, have you been to Trinity, which is the homelessness um, outreach centre in Maidstone? Have you been there? Have you been to the day centre who we liaise with very closely? So that all the things that are there all year round, we're an additional thing for when it's really cold and people are just otherwise people can be sat on street benches or in parks and people are awake quite often awake during the night. Where it's when it's not so safe and asleep during the day when it's slightly warmer. And you mentioned earlier about the cost of living crisis. What mm. kind of impact has that had on the sorts of people you're seeing coming in for help? We've seen we saw a huge increase last year. Um, I think overall the applications for homelessness doubled last year. It's definitely increasing, and the people coming in the evening. Some people will come in and say, "I'm not homeless." but I've got no money left for food. It's it's put electric on or eat. People are coming in because they generally can't, if they can afford the food, they can't afford to cook it. And they're coming in for a warm space. I remember one young lady, she's not with us anymore, sadly, um, saying, well, when we get paid, we put 10 on electric, but that doesn't last. And, you know, having to wash, she had to wash her hair in cold water and they'd have to have a strip wash because there wasn't the electric to heat the water. Do you anticipate that things will be similar this winter when you open up the shelter in January? Yes, there's an increase. And I was at the day centre yesterday and there are around 19 people who were homeless that at the moment are not not housed coming in. And that's, that's, a, that's 19 people too many. Donations are less. People are less likely to perhaps buy them a, um, a snack or a hot drink in town. So they're using the facilities that the day centre provides. I can't see it's going to get any better anytime soon. Kent Online News. As Baby Loss Awareness Week continues, a group of Kent mums who've lost a child have bravely spoken out in a bid to break the taboo. In 2017, I had my first born son in November after a very perfect pregnancy and a very uneventful labour I guess up until the point of delivery he just I gave birth and suddenly it all went wrong um he came out not breathing had the crash team come running in and performed CPR in front of us in the room with all the doctors the neonatal teams he to no avail they worked on him for 32 minutes and once they'd stopped 
chest compressions and everything else that they attempted to resuscitate him with, he passed away in front of us and had to have a post-mortem. Six weeks later, we found out that there wasn't much that they could do to have prevented it and we lost our little boy. When I went in, when I was induced, went into labour, I had a massive bleed, lost, I think, in total over three litres of blood. I had a crash caesarean. They got him out as quickly as they could. I think it was like 17 minutes. They got me down there and him out, which was amazing. And they called my husband in whilst I was being uh, transferred to surgery. He came in, was congratulated on both of us having a baby within minutes he was then told you may lose both of them and we had to make the decision about four and a half hours later to turn off his life support which was pretty hard two days later i think i ended up back in hospital and then i gave birth to my baby in the silent room and i just remember the midwife holding him up in front of me and just thinking like can you do something because it was like he was all there and he should be alive and it just looked like he was asleep and they put him on my chest and it's all a little bit of a blur really. That's Molly, Sarah and Dean. Their stories feature in a podcast produced by Medway charity Abigail's Footsteps to mark Baby Loss Awareness Week. The charity provides cold cots and campaigns for bereavement suites to help families create precious memories. Kent Online News. A decision to scrap Christmas lights in Medway this year has been met with a mixed response. The council say they need to save money as they're facing a £17 million gap in their budget. In our poll at Kent Online, 55% of you are in favour of the cutback. The home of a 100-year-old social club in Ashford is set to be knocked down despite plans to develop the site being rejected. The building on Beaver Road is home to the town's International Sports and Social Club but has been closed since the pandemic. Committee members had said building a new facility and flats on the land would secure its future but that idea was turned down. Plans for flats at a former hospital site in Hythe have been given the go-ahead with planning bosses telling people nearby nobody has the right to a view. Neighbours had tried to argue the development at St Saviour's would block what they can see from their homes. The private hospital was bulldozed last year. The new flats are set to be two metres taller than the original building. Part of Kent recorded the highest temperature in the whole of the UK yesterday. It reached 26.1 degrees in East Morling. That's the hottest anywhere in the country over the last three days. And a Hearn Bay landlord's been fined after carpet, clothes and furniture were dumped on a country lane. His tenant paid him to get rid of the waste, but it was found fly-tipped near Chillum. He's been hit with a £400 fixed penalty notice. Kent Online Sports. Football now and managerless Gillingham are in EFL trophy action tonight. They're travelling to take on Portsmouth after beating MK Dons in the league on Saturday. Keith Millen will lead the side who beat Leighton Orient 2-1 in the opening round of the competition. Kickoff is at 7.45. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.